0: Hello, and welcome to Seroptimus International Voices, where we give a global voice to women and girls. SI Voices is a space where women's stories and issues are heard as we celebrate 100 years of our remarkable organization. We will reveal and rediscover the history of our global movement while educating and informing on many of the key challenges affecting women and girls today. Hi, I'm Dawn Marie from Teston, California, and I am just so excited today to get to introduce my friend and our incoming president of Seroptimus International, Maureen McGuire. Good morning, Maureen. Well, it's good morning here. Good morning, Maureen.
1: Good morning, Dawn Marie. It's lovely to be with
0: you this afternoon, which it is in the UK. That's what we are around the world. So it's always a different time zone somewhere. I met Maureen several years ago through our mutual friend, and I've enjoyed watching her as a leader in so many areas of Soroptimist. I'm just gonna tell you a tiny little bit about her, and she's been a Soroptimist in, since 1989. She's from Northern Ireland, that's why she has that lovely accent. She's served at all different levels. She held the role of President of Soroptimist International of Great Britain and Ireland from 2011 to 2012. Obviously, she has a big professional life as well. She worked for 38 years within the Northern Ireland Health and Social Services in procurement and supply and many other types of areas. She holds a master's degree in public procurement. And also, because she's not quite busy enough, she's on a trustee and board member for two different organizations, Training for Women Network and United Nations Association, Northern Ireland Region. You know, the thing that just really tickles me and thrills me about um, Maureen is that women, gender equality, empowering women and girls to be change leaders is so, so important. And she's focusing her program on education and training, and we're going to hear all about that pretty quickly. So having just given that little tidbit about Maureen, I know that you likely weren't born a seroptimist, so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your family, your career, or whatever else you want us to know.
1: Thank you, Dawn
0: Marie. But I was born (laughs) in the 50s.
1: I was the youngest daughter of a family of four. I had one brother and two sisters. Uh, My father was a farmer, and I spent many happy days of my childhood on the farm. It included animals and crops, And days were full of sunshine and roses and happiness and my mum and my sisters and I used to take the meals to the farmers working in the fields, something like what you would see on a TV programme, but they were very happy days. And as we grew up, my brother took over the farm and my father went into semi-retirement. One day, everything changed dramatically because my brother was murdered and that changed my life completely. But I now live in Portadown, which is a small town outside Belfast. It's about 30 miles to the west. Uh, Belfast is the capital of Northern Ireland. I have one son, William, who is the light of my life. Uh, As Dawn Marie has already said, I worked for all of my life within the health service until I took early retirement. And then I started my own management consultancy business. During my time in the health service, I worked in uh, public procurement and it was during my working life that I actually obtained my master's. Uh, I then went on to work with contract management within the health service. And finally, I ended up working with uh, the primary care directorate. And here I worked with general practitioners and community pharmacists. And just before I left the health service, I was working on pandemic flu planning. So you can see that the skills and the knowledge and the experience that I had gained then would be so relevant to today, but I'm glad I'm not in the health service today because I do pity uh, the staff that are working in the health services right across the world because of the pandemic. It is just so dreadful.
0: You have so many uh, stories to tell, and I'm so sorry that it's such a brief podcast today, but I want to talk to you a little bit about how you got to Soroptimist. Now, every member joins for a reason. Um, Actually, my grandmother lured me into this organization almost 40 years ago. Um, And when I was first introduced to it, I just became instantly attracted to it because of the international service that we did. How did you become involved in Soroptimist and what attracted you to our organization?
1: I think like you, Dawn Marie, uh, you would have been asked to join when you had to be invited to join. Uh, But when I was asked to join, I felt exceptionally privileged because I had heard of Seroptimus but didn't really understand uh, what they did. I didn't know a lot about it, but I did read about it in the local newspapers because they did have a very good PR at that time. And of course, all the social events were recorded in the local papers. I suppose I was curious and interested at the same time, Um, but I decided to go along anyway when they did actually invite me. Uh, Just to find out what it was all about. Then I learned about the projects. And Mm -hmm. our program work is what I think attracts people to our organization. I was hooked. And one of the projects that they had at the time when I was there, uh, they were furnishing a home for women and girls and boys uh, because they had escaped domestic violence. And uh, we did, uh, we got involved personally with them and i think that is what keeps people interested in our projects if you become involved you will want to do something you know i think it's a human nature thing so uh we did some courses with the kids painting and we looked after them when so the moms could have some time for themselves and that really really got to me i i really enjoyed that uh but we were short of funds And we wanted to make the home nice, like a proper home. So we appealed to the local community. I did an article for it on what we wanted to do, what we wanted to achieve. And I can remember one night I got a phone call at 11 o'clock. I was in bed, so I took the phone call sitting up. And it was a lady. And at that time, she donated an amount of money that allowed our club to buy all of the bedding and all of the curtains for that home because of what her and I talked about that evening. So I think I did something good. I made a little bit of a difference there. Uh, we also then got uh, the local guides and brownies and they held events and they raised funds and furnished the children's playroom. And then the local carpet factory, I don't know well you've heard about it, but it's quite famous across the world, the Ulster Carpets. Uh, they are a worldwide famous carpet manufacturer. They have supplied to the White House. They have supplied to Buckingham Palace and I'm sure they've supplied in Australia as well. Uh, and they actually furnished, did the flooring and furnished the sitting room. So it was a real community effort and that really,
0: really kept me there. Marina, loved love that story because that's really the essence of what we do locally is not only do we get in and as you Brits say, get in the coal face of the problem, but we also, if we're really... Out there and talking about the project, we allow other people, we invite other people to share in the joy of helping. And I hope if everybody's listening here right now, they understand that sharing our work multiplies our effect and and increases our impact. So, thank you. That was a perfect story. Now, we've had our 100th anniversary this year, which has been so exciting for me, of course, and for so many of us. And I was we're trying to find out how many people have actually been seroptimists, and mostly women, but there are a few a few good men. And I've been told that there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of women have become Soroptimist over the hundred years, which is just a thrilling number to think about the impact. But very few of them have gotten to the very pinnacle of this, and, and that is you. You're going to be our international president in just a few more weeks. So tell us just a very little bit about what your leadership journey became and, and what was your motivation for being a leader? What, what inspired you to do that?
1: Yes, Jean Marie, um, I think I was thrown in at the deep end in our club in Portadown. Maybe I was too enthusiastic, I don't know. But it started about two years after I'd become a member. They made me the club secretary. And, you know, that position just enabled me to learn everything. I knew everything because I had control of the paperwork. Um, I learned about the diversity, the inclusiveness of our organisation, about how we work to improve the lives of women and girls. And, you know, that just made me want to be more and more and more involved. I also realised that I was very privileged to be living where I lived, how I had plenty of food and the means to have a very comfortable life. My club allowed me to grow. I took on many of the club positions and then I looked at roles at region because, you know, you do look to see what else is out there. I became the Press and Publicity Regional Officer and then I became Regional President and being Regional President actually brought me into contact with the Federation, it was opening a whole new world to me and I wanted to be part of that and became a Federation Counselor. It was during the time that I was Federation Counselor that I came into contact with International President Hillary Page and she just was my motivation. Um, she uh, she was so open and so welcoming and so inviting so one day I just decided I would contact her and it was our club's 50th anniversary so I invited her to come to come over to Northern Ireland not thinking that she would accept but she did she came and that was the start of a friendship and a mentor who has really been with me on every stage of my journey. She said to me, you could be a Federation president and you could be an international president. In fact, Maureen, you can be anything you want to be. And those are the words that have carried me through many an incident in both my personal, professional and Sir Optimus life. And I can't thank her enough for that. I suppose she was my inspiration. And, uh, you know, that her saying all of those things to me at that time, which was in 1994, probably have been in the back of my mind because um, anytime I ever met her, she would say, Well, what are you doing now? And what are you going to do? So, the one thing that I would say to every seroptimist out there, you can do it too.
0: Oh, Maureen, yes, Hillary Page, you just made me smile when you mentioned her because she too, was somebody that I value so very much. And the story you just told was so important because it often just takes somebody saying, I believe in you. I think that you have the ability to inspire and the the right values to inspire and encourage other people. So not all of us have to get to the pinnacle, but we want people to get to their pinnacle, and so how lucky that you get to inspire many thousands of us around the world. And I hope that everybody's listening understands that our our job as humans really is to inspire others to reach their pinnacle, to find their space, their place to serve and lead. So without any more hesitation, I just have to jump right into your uh upcoming President's Appeal Project. And you've heard a a lot about our President's Appeals over the last year through these podcasts and hopefully some of our webinars. We've just finished a really wonderful project with President Sharon called Road to Equality. And now you get to hear a wonderful start of this new project that we're going to be working on. And I know the focus is on education but i'm so eager as our our listeners i'm sure to hear more of the details so tell us what is your project and what do we get to support with you
1: thank you don marie you do know that education is a passion of mine i just believe that education is the door that opens for everybody so the title of or the theme of the president's appeal for 2021-2023 is opening doors to a bright future and it's because education is a fundamental human right for every human being and it's the one thing that will lift us out of poverty and give us a voice in today's world. Um, I believe that there are many barriers facing women and girls today and education can knock down those barriers. I'm speaking about gender-based violence Domestic violence, early and forced marriages, FGM, poverty, human trafficking, which I know is a passion of yours and one of mine. A lot of women and girls around the world today have caring responsibilities or the necessity to go out to work at an early age. But I believe that education can overcome these because with an education, then they can continue to go on to higher and better things. There's going to be one project in each of the five federations and so with that learning and training it will give them an understanding of the world around them and offer them an opportunity to use that knowledge or the skills that they develop wisely. The project, the first project is going to be in Cambodia and it's with an organization called the Cambodia Community Dream Organization. I'm going to call it CCDO because that's so much easier to say. And uh, we're going to be doing two different types of projects, one with young girls between 10 and 15 who have had to stay at home because they had to care for their older people or they had to go out to work 10 year old. You know, you and I cannot imagine ever going out to work at 10 years of age, whereas these girls have. So we want to bring them back in carry out some extensive education training with them so that then they can go back into school and pick up where they have left off. And the other part is for women. In the three villages that we're going to uh, work in, uh, they are going to be educated in financial management of whatever little uh, business or enterprise that they want to take up. I, I just I can't wait for it to be get started, but I can't start unless I get the funding in. So everybody out there, please, please, please um, start fundraising for opening doors to a bright future. Um, I just I can't wait because I can't I can't wait to tell you what good your money is going to do to improve the lives of women and girls who are not
0: as fortunate as you or I. Maureen, I'm really excited about this program. And, you know, when you're talking about little children, 10 years old, who have to stay home and be caregivers... I actually was in Cambodia and saw that very thing. To have a program that actually directly serves girls and gets them out of that situation with possibilities, I'm I'm just thrilled. So ladies and gentlemen and anybody, we're offering you an opportunity to support something that will make an an immense and huge difference for for girls and women. Okay, so gosh. (laughs) We're almost at the end of this. And I want, before we close, to have you to tell us about your vision for Seroptimus. You're leading us into the next 100 years in terms of what what are our opportunities? What do you want to see Seroptimus become and move forward to in even a more brilliant way than we have in our bright past? Yes, Don
1: Marie, um, I have a couple of things that I'm aiming for over the next two years and one of them is that I want to bring Sir International and the five federations together. I want us to work together and in doing that I have asked the program directors if on four of the international days we could all do something right across the world together. Imagine 70,000 women all buying a pencil for a school child who doesn't have one, giving a book to a child who doesn't have a book or doesn't know how to read. Those are the sort of things that I am trying to do and I'm going to work with the five federation presidents to move that forward. We have to ensure that our mission, our vision and our values are applicable to today's young people and so doing that I want to try to set up a forum, for young people. But again, I have to get the permission of the Federation Presidents to move forward in this. But I think we need to include them in many of our discussions and debates about how we move forward into the future, because they will be
0: the future leaders of tomorrow. Great. Well, I just look forward to that so much. And I know that you have a collaborative personal style and that you you will have an ability to inspire and move us forward as an organization. Um, I'm just really looking forward to this next two years under your leadership. President-elect Maureen and soon-to-be president, thank you so much for joining us and Gosh, this was such a fast little conversation. I just can't wait to talk to you some more and see where you lead us. So thanks for joining us. Don Marie, thank you very much for this. Uh, I have to say I I came to this with a bit of
1: trepidation, but I, because of your lovely manner, um, I, it's been so
0: nice to talk to you. It's been just so great. It's as if we were meeting all over again. Here we are, we're at the end of this podcast, and I want to thank our listeners for joining us in this past 15 months on our SI Voices podcast, as we've celebrated our bright past and look forward to our brilliant future. There's so much work to do, particularly having experienced and still are experiencing this pandemic And we hope that you'll join us as members, as supporters, as partners, as advocates, as we educate, empower, and enable women and girls of the world. Thank you so very much for joining us. You've been listening to SI Voices, a podcast hosted by Seroptimus International. Follow us on social media for our latest news and updates at Soroptimist Global on Facebook and Instagram and at Tweet on Twitter. You can also check out our website, soroptimistinternational.org. Please join us next time on SI Voices.